Stacks ass, feeling proud I got no cash. Can't afford the tip, got me feeling kinda sad, but we're glad. Let's keep up your whole bag. Sell in my chair just to get a couple stats. I'ma suck it next week, cause I hit my limit. Name my way to swan just to get some digits. Good for you, say it back, I ain't talking feelings. Yes, I make memes and bad decisions. Yo, Q. I like what you're doing. There's a fork up on the tip, and it's leaving me clueless. Stacking sets up on the chain, taking up my whole day. Hella blocks up in the notice that we have to validate. So stack a block, join a block. A shit post now, can't afford a block. Join a block, reloading my account. Yeah, I'm broke. It's a sad thing, but a stack on the stack chain. GFYs and all the memes. Love vibes and all the pains. Stack, stacks. Feeling proud, I got no cash. Can't afford the tip, got me feeling kinda sad, but we're glad. Yo, yo. That shit was lit. It got me fired up trying to stack the tip. Cosmic, stack chain energy. Stacking hard 21 by infinity. Stack chain, I can't get enough. Every single day is number go up. Stack joins, invading your thread. Stacking so hard that it hurts the fed. And I'ma keep on stacking cause what Anthony said. And pass it back to Q and let the signal spread. Feeling proud, I got no cash. Can't afford the tip, got me feeling kinda sad, but we're glad. What's up? Welcome to Stack Chain Spaces, where we celebrate stacking sats. TA doesn't mean shit to us because stack height goes up and memes lead the way. If you're listening to this recording, please be sure to give Stack Chain Signal a follow. You can find them at Twitter at Stack Chain Sig. They are the repository for all things Stack Chain. We'll show you where to find the tip, show you how to stack chain or whatever stack joins are going on. This space is being recorded for a podcast format and might be released under the name Stack Chain Signal under your favorite podcast catcher. What's going on, guys? Skinner, B, wonderful to have you guys both on stage again. Hey, Anthony. So what's going? So you started uh, Burn Chain, which is a thing. So tell me about that. So Burn Chain is uh, the idea is uh, you burn Bitcoin in uh some amount and you it's just like stack chains instead of buying bitcoin with fiat you're taking some amount of bitcoin that you burned or you know that you have burned and you take a picture somehow post it and that's the next block so can you explain the concept of burning bitcoin for the uninitiated because it's uh yeah the way I think of it is uh, any, anything that makes it unspendable forever is burning it. So sending it to an address that is that doesn't uh, that isn't a spendable address, or putting it in the op return transaction, so that you create an unspendable output with sats in it. And so, why would anyone do that? The way that I did it here was I sent it to the Genesis address, which other people had done. And I'm not certain that means it's unspendable. I've been told that, but I haven't done the due diligence of reading the code and understanding how it works to confirm it's actual burning. But other people do it. What I've heard is that the Genesis block is programmatically designed not to be spendable like the first block you just can't spend from for some reason but it's not like it's not like i can verify the code myself 
to, to actually see if that's the truth or if that's just some sort of that's one of those things where I just heard it from somebody else and I guess I'm just trusting them. Yeah. Well, I see that 22 Bitcoin have been sent to that same address that that unspendable Genesis block shows. And so the way I see that is either people think Satoshi can spend that and they want to give to Satoshi or it's their way of burning it. And it's actually unspendable when you send it to that address. But I think it's burned. And I mean, people consider burning like an act of altruism. Do you want to, do you have any comments on that? I think it's altruism. I think uh, what it does is anyone else who's holding Bitcoin or is going to get some in the future, their access, the amount of Bitcoin they access because you burned it, some of it is a higher percent of the spendable supply now than it was otherwise. So that gives them a little bit extra energy to go with. So it kind of just, tr- it kind of remotely transfers all the energy that you put in that you would have otherwise taken out into everybody else who has Bitcoin proportionally to how much they have. So it's like a gift. Yeah. And in order to do it, you have to sacrifice of yourself because once you transfer it, I mean, once you transfer Bitcoin to an address, you don't possess the keys to it's gone it's gone forever unless somebody sends it back to you so if it's like the genesis block which can never be spent not only is it gone from your possession it's gone like it can't be reintroduced into the wild it's just there forever yeah so it's like less than 21 million you know it really lowers the count of existing bitcoin can be spent forever yeah i've never i've never burned bitcoin i just haven't done it so i'm just i don't know if i uh if i have the balls to like just make some of my bitcoin disappear although i've donated bitcoin and in reality like i'll never see that bitcoin again you know what i mean so yeah. Well, burning is like donating, kind of. It was just like, unit. it's like there's no overhead and it goes equally to everybody. But instead of the number of stats going up, the number that's going up for everyone else is their percent equity in the, in the actual asset of Bitcoin. Yeah. No, I, I, I get it. It is like a donation. And it's one of those interesting things. I saw that earlier you retweeted my... Uh, my pen tweet about like how your time and energy is never lost in Bitcoin. Like if you die and your keys die with you, then, you know, that time and energy that you put into Bitcoin is not lost. You've essentially just transferred your time and energy into the network via unspendable Bitcoin. And you've just like transferred your energy to everybody else in the network. And kind of like doing the same thing voluntarily. Yeah, before you die. So it's it it's like you could wait, have like a dead man switch on and, and like I'm gonna burn a little bit when I die to memorialize myself or, or something like that. Or you could do it before and see is is there gonna be effects is there ripple effects from burning? And if you do it sooner than later, does that make any difference? 
interesting to think about. I mean, a decrease in supply is a time preference thing, right? So like, because the value of Bitcoin is always going to be supply versus demand. So if supply decreases, then value increases. And if you do it now, then you're doing that now. Yeah, it's like I, I could save it, save a little bit, wait till I'm 100 years old and then burn it. Or I could burn that same amount now. And it won't feel the same. It really won't feel the same. Burning like a million sats today is not going to feel the same as burning a million sats in, you know, 50 years. Do you think you'll ever regret it? Like, let's say you burned a million sats and then 20 years from now, you know, the value of Bitcoin is insane and a million sats is like a house or something. You, you ever think you're like, oh, uh, man, I could have bought a house? Well, it depends how much. How, how I feel, I guess, about that, about the burning. I mean, I think if I if I realize, I don't think I'm going to regret it because I think I'm going to not burn my whole stack, you know. Fair enough. What's up, B? You got <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, so I was just going to say, I mean, think about the dude that sold 30,000 Bitcoin, right, for pizza. Um, I I don't. I'm sure there's some regret there, but at the time, right, it was only worth so much. So for him, it was the value to trade it for the pizza. Uh, so I think just like everybody comes to Bitcoin when when they they get it uh, and they get it at the price they deserve. I also think that like you spending your Bitcoin, if you're replenishing it and that kind of stuff, like at the time that you're using Bitcoin as a transfer of value, it is just that. It is transferring the value that you deem appropriate at the time of uh, that transaction. So I think the, the burn chain piece is, is interesting. Um, it, there definitely have to be a, a worthy cause to do it, though, for, for me. Well, I, I want to add um, <clears throat> part of the inspiration of this is I'm looking at this address where people are sending coins to be donated. And just this month, someone sent four Bitcoin to this address. And so I'm seeing that it's like, okay, this idea is resonating with some people. People are wanting to do this because no one just, and it was worth about $100,000 at the time, right? So no one just sends $100,000 worth of Bitcoin. It wasn't like, oh, I want to test this feature and it's not worth anything. People are taking this seriously. And I think if we, if I put some kind of effort into bringing it out, I'd like to see some of those people find each other. Yeah, I mean, burning is is such an interesting topic because we've never, I don't know that we've ever had something accessible in this way. Like, the imagine the idea of burning a hundred thousand dollars. It's not possible. Like, you could you could make a hundred thousand dollars inaccessible to yourself, but it's never gone forever. I mean, the government could easily just print. Oh, you could definitely burn that. Yeah, shit. I mean, but the value of that hundred dollars is not lost. You know what I mean? Because the government could just re. Oh, I see what you're yeah. saying. Uh, what's up, Salacious? How's it going, man? Welcome to the stage. Okay. Um, I have a thought about this thing as well. First of all, um, yeah, I 
Yeah, that's a great point. Um, did anybody understand any of that? I think he said sending it to Satoshi's address is only burning on the assumption that Satoshi will never return. No, I think it's actually programmed. Program- the way it's been explained to me is that address is an unspendable address. It's not just like Satoshi's wallet and people think Satoshi's never coming back, therefore it won't be spent. I think the Genesis block is an unspendable address, even if Satoshi came back. I could be wrong. That's just how it was explained to me. What's up, Genesis block itself is unspendable, but the address that Satoshi stored all of his coins in is spendable. So if Satoshi did return, if he is still alive and he came back, let's say it's Hal Finney and they unfreeze his head and he remembers his private key, he could theoretically spend everything in that address. Okay. Except for the 50 Bitcoin block. The, the, the UTXO that's unspendable. The mining. Okay, so only the mining reward is unspendable. Right, so this is, this is, you're right. It is a gift to Satoshi, and it's only really a burn on the assumption that he's not going to spend it. For In this example, yes. There are ways to burn it that don't have to rely on that assumption. Yeah, I mean, if you send it to not Satoshi's address, you know, like you just come up with a random seed phrase, you know, and then spend it there and then destroy the seed phrase, it may be unspendable unless somebody recovers that seed phrase somehow. The way I I, I hope to, if, if, if it becomes something that people come together around, would be using an op return. Because what, or or somehow that you can put data into it, and you can uh, have it all in one place. Because then what you get is, say someone does burn a whole coin, they have a little bit. They can do this essentially like a tweet on the Bitcoin time chain that has a boost of a hundred million sats. That anytime anyone goes back to see these like landmark burns they get to read this message and i think that is going to have appeal to a lot of people it's like a monument basically you just build a little monument yep yeah that's cool man that is cool i have no idea have you had a participation has anybody else burned on it yet no I'll burn some this is just kind of like get the conversation started, throw it out there, see what comes back, see what other kind of ideas swirl around. You know what I mean? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, burning burning Bitcoin is an interesting subject because it's such an act of altruism, and you can't you can't do it with other money. You can only do it with Bitcoin, right? If you set a bunch of fiat dollars on fire. They're gone for you, but the value to the network is unchanged because those dollars can just be printed. And even if, even like gold, if you like destroy gold, which I'm not even sure you can destroy gold, actually. I think that's one of the properties of gold is it cannot be destroyed. But, you know, I don't know if you were like, 
you know, launch gold out into space on a trajectory where it's forever leaving Earth and never going to come back, you still mine some more gold. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like the value is not completely lost in the way that the value is gone forever. If you, um, or not the value, the UTXOs are, are unusable forever, like in Bitcoin. And the value just transfers to the rest of the network. It's very interesting. I think it has karmic implications. I see people doing it every day. It, it looks like some people might even have like a little practice where they just burn a few cents worth of sats every day. I'm thinking that if you just think about that, what does it set you up to? What mindset do you have to be in to think, I'm going to send a few sats out to the ether. They're never going to come back to me. You're sending out like a positive, even though it's very subtle, a positive uh, thing out to the the whole network. And I, I do think that would come back to people. Yeah, it's kind of a beautiful thing that's only enabled by Bitcoin. As Satoshi said, lost coins are like a donation to everyone. And the way I think of this burn chain idea is that um, it's almost like you're saying the free market of humanity as a whole is better at allocating my donation than me picking a charity or a cause that I want to donate to. So when you deliberately burn your coins and make it known to the world that these coins are no longer spendable, you're essentially saying, like, this is a donation to everyone. This is my contribution to humanity as a whole with no discrimination. Just, I want to benefit everyone. I want you all to be better off because this Bitcoin will not compete with your Bitcoin anymore. Yeah, I, I believe it's the best way I could because I, anytime I'm going to ask someone else to do something, they're just going to add overhead. And so what I can do is every anyone who's striving and accumulating Bitcoin is going to be adding value. And so by burning Bitcoin, I'm, I'm, I'm adding fuel to the fire underneath those people. Um, and, I, and, and myself, because obviously I'm a Bitcoiner and I am building my own stuff. Uh, but if I, I look at things fractally, so if I think, okay, if I do something in a, and if, if something I do is useful, it will be replicated and other people will see the value in the information. It's not about me, it's just about the information. And it will have that effect. So I think I could, I could like say, oh, I'm going to pump up Swan's business and like do a bunch of stuff for Swan, um, which I think has positive effects. Uh, and I've done that. Just, just by just using them as a customer, or I could say, burning coin is is a way to have be altruistic, and you don't have to do all this other stuff. Like you can, and people will, but some people will think, I really want to just pump the price really hard. Like I'm super, super rich, but my thing is not going around paying people on Twitter. You know, I can I, I can burn a bunch of, bunch of coin. And so I think there are people out there that are waiting for the door to open to do that. What's up, guys? How you doing? What's up, doctor? Oh, nothing. I just, 
I was just going to admit, when I came up, I was going to tell uh, Salacious we couldn't understand him. But um, it's interesting what you guys are talking about. I've, I wondered, I have a question. It might be pretty rookie, but why would, you know, what was, why did he put a million tokens up? I mean, was, is there, like, do we know the reason? Satoshi, you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Why, why well, is that? So, I mean, he was the first miner, right? And then Hal Finney running Bitcoin. So in those early days, there were just a few miners. There weren't that, you know, the network was brand new. So people mining Bitcoin in that epoch, they were getting a block subsidy of 50 Bitcoin because that was the first block subsidy until the first happening. So everybody participating in that point was mining a shitload of Bitcoin and Satoshi was the first. So he didn't burn a million coins, but during that period of time, he amassed approximately a million Bitcoin just because he was there. He was, that was the beginning of the network. So I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, it kind of does because what I'm, what I'm taking from that is it was so new and, in the beginning, I guess, you know, he mentioned that, yeah, it's, it's, we're easily, more easily attackable right now or whatever. I don't know if that plays into it, but yeah, when everybody just, when there was only a handful of, you know, GPU miners or whatever that, yeah, I, I see maybe the reason why he would stash them because of maybe that reason. I don't know. Mine or something. I don't, I don't. I don't think necessarily they were stashed. I just think he mined what he mined, right? Because 50 Bitcoin approximately every 10 minutes, you know, it's three, what, 300, 300 Bitcoin an hour. So, you know, if he was like the only miner for a period of time, a couple days, that's thousands of Bitcoin. And then if you get a second miner, and now you're getting half the Bitcoin, but that second miner and you are the only people mining Bitcoin for the first week. You're, you're still mining a shitload of Bitcoin, right? And now you fast forward, like in the early days of the network, there just weren't that many miners. And the block subsidy was the highest that it will ever be. What's up, Salations? Jameson Lott has an article about Satoshi and his mining activities. Um, I forget if the name of it is this, but it might be. It's something like, was Satoshi a greedy miner? And it goes into, like, he analyzes Satoshi's mining activity. And, I mean, I can give you the TLDR. It's that Satoshi was not a greedy miner. It wasn't that he was trying to accumulate more Bitcoin than anyone else in any kind of unfair way. He didn't send it to a burn address either. It's it's to a real address, but obviously he has never spent those million Bitcoin. Um, and a, one comment that I had just kind of unrelated, but it's that um, his activities and the fact that there was no pre-mine is really what sets Bitcoin apart from every other shitcoin that there is, is that no one has ever acquired Bitcoin for less than the market price. The market price was zero when it first started out, but you had to burn some electricity. 
That's what Satoshi did. That's what the second miner did. Unless they were gifted Bitcoin by someone who had paid the price, nobody got it for less than the market price. So it's, uh, I'd say, one of the things that makes Bitcoin beautiful and completely different than the fiat world, for sure, and even all of the shit coins. Well, it's literally the same opportunity that we all have because there's no advantage, right? So if I was Hal Finney, then I had the same opportunity that Hal Finney had. Nothing makes Hal special to the network except for the fact that he was there, he understood, he was able to uh, participate in the information arbitrage that is Bitcoin. Like the sooner you understand about what Bitcoin is, the more Bitcoin benefits you. And that's, that's it. Cause the network itself doesn't apply any advantage to any person, but it leverages time. And, you know, when you commit your time and labor to Bitcoin, the earlier you do that, the better off you are. So that's that's all that is. But you're 100% correct because a lot of shit coiners like to come in and say like Satoshi pre-mined a million Bitcoin. But it was all public. It was all public. The white paper was out. The software was out. Everything was out. You know, before Satoshi even, you know, mined the first block. Everything was out. And he explained it, this is how it works, and and this is how you participate. And, you know, anybody paying attention could have participated from the very beginning. And, you know, some people did, like Hal Finney. Very interesting. I, uh, I'm a hobby miner myself, and I'm, I'm really going down that rabbit hole of that right now kind of so that thank you for that info it was definitely going to dig into that a little more i'm just curious i don't i don't want to think in a second that that's ever that those coins are ever going to move or or anything like that i mean just that's an interesting subject too because you know satoshi's accumulated a million bitcoin and because they haven't moved in 14 years people just assume that they'll never move and people establish motives, right? Like like some people even say like, oh, Satoshi must be dead. That's a lot of value. That's a lot of money. You know, who wouldn't transact with that amount of value? Well, he's got to be dead. You know, like the idea that maybe he's just saving in Bitcoin. And maybe 20 years down the road, those coins move. You know, that's um, there's no way to know. But it's interesting the mythology that we build around something that we don't know. If he... Yeah, it's like the only thing we don't know, kind of. Like, not... Like, it's... You know what I mean? What do you think, Salacious? I just think if he is alive... And he does have the private key to all of those Bitcoin, then he is not a human being because no human could resist, even for charity, even for a cause that they thought was worthwhile, they would not be able to resist another, spending those coins. Another thing I was thinking, like, like this burn chain, and, and you know, unless you 
unless you made it um, public or that you burned a hundred coins or whatever, whatever it was, you know, how, how would that affect, you know, I, I get the ultimate act of charity, but I don't understand how we would know, you know what I'm saying? Like, how would we know that somebody just burned a hundred coins? So the information comes through the price. So it's like a, it affects the price over like a long term. It's extremely subtle, you know. It's like at the moment where I would have spent it or my descendants would have spent it, that piece of history or the future has changed and the ripple effects go on forever. That's the idea. Well, and if it goes to the Genesis block, you can tell because it's recorded on chain. I mean, that's what's that's what Skinner's been doing. He's been looking at the the Genesis block and seeing the coins that people send there. Yeah, somebody sent four coins to it this month. No way. They did. Yep. Three weeks ago, someone sent a four four coin transaction to it. There, there are people who consider that part of a Bitcoiner's journey to like send some sats to the Genesis block. So I've never done it. I've never done it, but I may, you know, I might do it someday. I don't know, but it's kind of like, in a like a, like a Bitcoin or spiritual way. It's like paying homage to Satoshi. Like, Hey, thanks Satoshi. You know, I appreciate what you've done for the world and what you've given to me and my children and my family and, and everybody else. So I'm going to send some sats to the Genesis blog just to kind of, just to like connect to the genesis of Bitcoin in that way. That's deep. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And 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 again, this is only something that can be experienced with Bitcoin. B, have you have you sent any uh, Bitcoin to the Genesis block, B? I have not. I'm a, a 2020 guy myself, um, so I'm still digging into all things, right? I mean, it's a journey for everybody. Um, I find uh, one, Skinner bringing it up is interesting. Uh, two, like the variety of of things that I'm traveling down now is kind of health, so carnivore diet and that kind of stuff. Um, getting my family situated and educated uh, and and over the course of time, there may be uh, a time period where it's like, hey, let me explore the spiritual side of it. Uh, let me see what this, um, what, what the higher levels of uh, Satoshi's aspects or, or his, his thoughts on what Bitcoin could be and should be. Um, but no, I haven't said anything to it at this point. So, and then let, let me say something that will make Bitcoiners uncomfortable. So, you know, one of the suggestions, the reason that uh, Satoshi hasn't sent coins, Bitcoiners assume that he's dead. Or like Salacious was saying, if he's alive and he hasn't spent all of this, you know, infinite like wealth that he must be like inhuman. Well, you know, what if Satoshi is just a collective of individuals from the government and Bitcoin was just developed by a government? agency that understood the do- the dollar is devalued right like the fed is in a the best position to see what they're doing to the dollar and how it's all going to come to an end 
So, you know, maybe they just built Bitcoin. Just so. Do you think, I mean, isn't it kind of like, you know, almost obvious that, that they're, they're either pretending they don't know what's going on with Bitcoin or, you know what I mean? They, they don't seem to have an idea really. So I don't It's kind of a weird, it, weird one. I mean, wouldn't that be the best way to play it though? Just play stupid. I mean, you, man, look, I, I've dealt with, I mean, the past two decades, right? The, the variety of levels of government. I don't think that there is enough um, not competency, but coordinated effort, right? There's always shit that goes awry. There's not enough coordinated effort to come up with that. Yeah, I tend to agree um, that the government yeah. is incompetent, impotent, slow, and that the coordinate, coordination of government agencies just renders most things that we think the government is, is capable of as to, in reality, they're not really capable of it. You know, just because somebody would have leaked the information or somebody would have pissed off somebody and then it would become like a political issue and, and get leaked somewhere. So in general, I don't I don't think Satoshi was a government agent, but, you know, it's a theory. And there are there are some things that do lean in that direction, like the coins haven't been spent. So who would have, you know, what what type of uh, entity? would be able to resist spending that kind of wealth. Well, a dead person wouldn't spend it, right? So that's one that's one possible solution that Satoshi is dead. Or an an agency that doesn't, you know, the wealth is not a problem for them. And for the Fed, wealth is not a problem. Because, you know, if if some three-letter agency created Bitcoin they win either way. They win if Bitcoin succeeds, they win if Bitcoin fails because they're they're on both sides. So, you know, there's that. I actually, I tend to believe that, uh, that Satoshi is a collection of people. I actually don't think that Satoshi is a, is, you know, a government agent, but I, I think it's a collection of really intelligent people and Satoshi was just the account that represented them to the public, you know, because the, the amount of knowledge required to engineer Bitcoin requires not only like a mastery of code, but a mastery of economics, a mastery of history, uh, physics, you know, all, all of these discipline skill sets that would be unusual to find in one individual, but not unusual to find in a collection of individuals. And Satoshi communicated with these types of people like the cypherpunk the mailing list these were all like really brilliant people you know what i mean there's a reason that hal finney was the first person to run bitcoin because the dude was fucking smart so there there there's a lot of like really talented people that that satoshi was in communication with probably for years adam back right so you know i'm wondering yeah, but just just along those lines, like all of those people were so anti-government, like it would be a complete slap in the face of everything they stood for for them to have worked for the government. And I mean, you talk about the ultimate spook of spooks. Um, 
that's a fucking rabbit hole that I wouldn't even want to travel down at this point. Like I'm, I don't think I'd know enough to even know where to start with that. It, it's it's a thought that pops into my head sometimes because I mean, you you have the grandeur of what Bitcoin is, right? It's it's like for for Bitcoin to be developed by a single individual, then we're talking about an individual that is uncommon, an uncommon individual like a Da Vinci or like a Benjamin Franklin, or like, you know, Michelangelo, like one of these people that is just a one percenter, or not even a one percenter, like a one out of a million human that has, you know, not only all the intelligence to make this happen, but has the resources. What's up, B? You had a comment on that, B? Yeah. So when you think about learning things, right, um, there's a, a bunch of stuff out there that you can read about psychology and how the human brain works and how we synthesize information and, and link things from seemingly polar opposite and maybe disjointed subjects, right? So when my kids are learning different things, I push them to, to find their passion in whatever means it may be. Satoshi or the group of people known as Satoshi could have very well had exposure to all these variety of mechanisms, right, over the course of time and had just the one person that saw the path between all these different uh, successes and failures of all the the early e-cash and all that stuff that they just pulled it together. So that's kind of like, I mean, you can get really deep in, into psychology and the subconscious and w- what you can and can't do and problems you can solve at night and, and during sleep and stuff like that. But but ultimately, I push my kids to experience and expose themselves to a variety of different things because they may be passionate about something for six months and then drop it for five, ten years. And then that six-month exposure to that thing is the exposure they needed to come up with the greatest next thing and whatever, right? Call it music, call it sports, call it engineering, whatever. Um, so Satoshi or the group could have just like saw it, right? Discovered it. Like, hey, here's the missing piece between all these things, at least in my mind. Well, I mean, the, the thing that speaks to it being an individual is if you got a bunch of people working on something and, you know, he may have just been the competitor that put it together right for the first time. Because right, I mean, hash cash and and all these other things have been developed over decades and none of them turned out to be Bitcoin. So he could have just been the one guy that arranged everything in a way that worked. And maybe, maybe he's not a Da Vinci. Maybe he's not, you know, an Edison or something. He just, he, he's smart. He's a, he's a developer and other people built enough of what he needed that he was able to use what other people built, which is true. Like there's no, there's nothing unique about Bitcoin in its code. What's unique about it is how it's assembled. And I believe the only addition that Satoshi added is the difficulty adjustment. But I mean, everything else is something that somebody else developed, you know, SHA-256 and the, you know, blocks blockchain hashing 
uh, you know, all of these things, somebody else came up with that. And he's just the one that arranged it, added the difficulty adjustment. So, I mean, that speaks to the possibility that he may just be the lucky individual that put all the pieces together before anybody else did. That's a possibility. Yeah. And in the odds for somebody to be that smart and also have like the morals to, to not, not go back and mess with it. Those two things are, yeah, I think we're good. You know, it's, I don't say it's, it's craziness. Wow. Yeah. The, the, the ethical altruistic aspect is even greater than the technical aspect, right? Because uh, he hasn't touched the coins. So either if we're talking about an individual, either he's just like a really, really good guy or he's dead. (laughs) It's one of those two things. And I think we're just more willing to accept that he's dead than we're willing to accept that there's a person, you know, walking around the planet that is that altruistic or otherwise he's just waiting for hyper Bitcoinization and then he's just going to come out as some kind of evil overlord that, that owns, you know, one twenty, you know, one, one 21st of, of all value on earth and, you know, enslave everybody. Oh, here's a thought. When did they stop mining to the, to that million coin address? That I don't know, but I imagine, you know, I, I imagine they probably still had the hardware to make quite a few coins if they had switched to a new address. Yeah, for sure. That's totally possible. You know, um, I don't know about it. I don't know. Has anybody um, looked at the, you know, the biggest wallets in Bitcoin kind of scrolled down? (laughs) I'm sure that people have, and that would be in line with his anonymous nature. Like Satoshi was so well at being anonymous that like nobody knows who he is. So if Bitcoin's picking up steam, people are participating and people have established that this active participant is the active participant named Satoshi. Like if Satoshi was still involved in Bitcoin, it was still mining. There'd be way more people like trying to figure out what his IP address is and, you know, all these sorts of things. But by like changing his identity and just like going to a new anon he could totally be participating in the network as we speak and we wouldn't know what's up salacious i was just gonna say that uh, that brings up an interesting idea that let's assume like just for a second assume that satoshi is a person a single person he's alive and he does have access to the private keys to control those million bitcoin i can imagine a person not spending those um, number one, because they see that million Bitcoin as um, kind of like a, almost like part of the Genesis story. Um, and if you want to. Is he speaking or. Yeah. Hear. If you can't hear me, you might have to. Yeah, he's talking. Yeah, he's talking. You might have to uh, drop out of the space and come back into the space. Yeah. So um, basically, let's assume. That he's alive, he's got the keys, but um, surely he also, he could have mined to other addresses, right? And he might have more money than he could ever spend in those addresses. 
he might be someone, I'm not saying this is who it is, I don't think this is who it is, but he might be someone like Adam Back. Someone who doesn't, like, he lives a modest lifestyle, I'm sure. I've never seen Adam Back wearing anything other than, like, jeans and a t-shirt, and he just goes to Bitcoin conferences and works on Blockstream, and whatever. Like, I don't think Adam Back would feel a need to have $69 billion, whatever the... Yeah, well, that's a that's a perfectly plausible and reasonable explanation. Like if he, if Satoshi mined a million Bitcoin as Satoshi, then burned his identity, he kept the keys, rebuilt a new identity and he's just, you know, Bob. And then person Bob mines 500,000 Bitcoin and can live off of that 500,000 Bitcoin. There's no reason to touch the 1 million. And and you get to keep your your identity intact, so that's that's perfectly plausible. I I have looked at the uh, or typed in, you know, the biggest wallets, and I just posted it up in the mess, but it's like. There are so many um, wallets that have like 2,500 or just a exact multiple of 50, you know, early miners, obviously. And, you know, there's uh, so many that have not moved in, in eight plus years. And yeah, I think our, the people that did it mine or did mine back in the day. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of just stagnant bitcoin i don't think that will ever be moved or you know what i mean it's you'll see on the, the yeah if you look there's the a lot of people that started mining bitcoin and then it had no value and the like the the amount like the way it was treating their computer you know like their computers were running hot because they're mining Bitcoin and they're, you know, they're not doing it with a video card. So they kind of get to the point where they're just like, fuck dude, you know, I need to stop doing this shit. I'm going to burn out my processor and then I'm going to have to buy a new computer. And you know, this Bitcoin's not fucking worth anything, you know? So they just delete Bitcoin core, just, just totally like delete it. They stopped running Bitcoin and now all that Bitcoin is gone. So I've heard those stories before. So stack join lottery. Were any of you guys watching the video? I think B was watching the video. Were you watching the the live stream, B? Yeah, I was in there. That was pretty fun. Where was where was this live stream? Um, stack chain signal, the YouTube channel, live streamed oh. loco picking the uh, SJ lottery winners. It was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. So what he, what he did was uh, he built a spin wheel. And then according to your participation in the stack chain lottery, like the more hash you contributed, the more spots you had on the wheel. So there were some people that only had like one spot. And then there are other people that had like 10 spots because they contributed more. So he would spin the wheel and whoever it landed on, he would remove that person and then spin the wheel again and remove that person and just kept removing spots one by one 
And if you had like 10 spots on there, then even if one of your spots got removed, you still had nine. So you were still like more likely to win the lottery. And it just kept, kept going until one person was left and Lauren, Lauren ended up winning. So congratulations, Lauren, on winning the stack join lottery, but it was a fun experience. We're all just sitting there just talking shit in the YouTube comments while, while Loco's spinning the wheel and one slot after another is getting eliminated. I actually, actually rather enjoyed that a lot. So I'm probably going to participate in stack join lottery just because that was kind of a fun experience. What do you just got a point of minor somewhere or something? Uh, Loco, let's see if we can find the stack join lottery. I'll put it in the nest. Um, I think all you have to do, it, it's basically um, people are buying. Yeah, you just you just post you just post like a stack join, but you just put hashtags SJ lottery, and then Loco calculates. He, he keeps track of it, and based upon the the current block height, right? whatever hash you have in there is the percentage or the number of blocks out of a hundred uh, that you would be able to, to get with your hash. Uh, this last go round uh, boat party put up, I think, I think he had 10 total blocks. He gave up eight to other individuals and then, and then Loco was able to do kind of like a, uh, almost like a giveaway kind of session where he was like, Hey, spin the wheel for this person. Okay. Hey, somebody come up with the bit 39 word that's between these letters and these letters. It, it kind of gamified even getting into the lottery, even if you hadn't put hash originally. Uh, and then at the end of it, you had a hundred slots and he just spun the wheel, right? So he had a randomizer that was like a wheel of fortune deal. Um, and it spun the wheel around a, a number of times and it looks like doc dropped out. Yeah, we, we lost him. But you answered that question beautifully. <laughs> yeah, I was I was doing what I could, and I looked down at my phone. I was like, "Oh, well, the guy I was explaining to is not even here anymore." That's cool. But for any other listeners, like it was a it was a cool aspect of stack uh, stack chain. Um, it, it was a community kind of event in the fact that like everybody could rally around this particular uh, wanting to build a block without personally having the hash and having the first live stream kind of a gamification of, of a lottery really. Yeah. You're, you're talking to more people that you think. So what's been going on with the spaces is there's fewer people on the spaces live, but there's like way more people that listen to it later on. So anywhere from like well, shit. 50, maybe I should 50, uh, refine the way I'm talking in here. What's that? I said, well, maybe I should uh, up my game and refine the way I'm talking in these spaces. No, no, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. So if you're thinking you're not talking to anybody, there's going to be like 50 to 100 people that that hear you talk about this afterwards. It's an interesting thing. But I'm definitely... 50 to 100? Yeah, it depends on the space. Anthony, thousands. Hundreds of thousands. Well, so I have access to the analytics, <laughs> and so far I'm. Yeah, but we're, we're talking up to this moment in time. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like in the future, you know what I mean. That's true. That's true. When historians are picking apart stack chain and uh, and uh, you know trying to figure out early Bitcoin culture, for sure. Exactly. But yeah, I'm definitely into uh, stack join lottery. I liked it. It was fun. Oh, here comes Doctor back. 
actually have a question for doctor. He's been popping in our spaces and he's been contributing. Doctor, have you stacked on the stack chain? No, I have not. And yeah, I've been <laughs> my signal. Sorry. No, it's but all good. So I'll tell you, I've mentioned it already. This is like some of the best. This is one of the best space I've been in is just, you know, we're, this is real talk and not many places talk like this. And so how, how, how did you find our, our spaces if you're not in stack chain? Just, I'm just being in, you know, Bitcoin, Twitter, like I hang out with the, the TEM guys, you know, that's where I originally kind of ended up and learned from those guys and, you know, whatever, everybody's got their opinion. They're pretty toxic, but it's a, it's a good time. But, and just just heard of you guys, you know, just seen uh, little bits and pieces of it and really didn't know. I understood it as, you know, um, somebody, somebody would match your contribution and one-up you or something like that. Is that the same thing I'm thinking about? Or? It's, it's just number go up. You know, it started off, right. some, somebody posted $5 and then somebody replied with a $6 buy. Right. And then that just kept happening. And now it's a chain of stacks. You know, we've been doing it for six months and all this other stuff. And that, you know, now it's a community. There's all this other stuff. There's, ple- there's people that, that play poker and try to try to win blocks playing poker. There's people coming up with different chains like the stack joint lottery. And, um, you know, it's branched off into all kinds. Of- don't, don't forget music chain. We're on Epic five music at this chain. point. Like songs by plebs with stacking, uh, and then every time we we close out an epic with like seventy two or seventy three songs and the hash to buy a uh, or to to build out a stack chain block, we have a whole Spotify playlist for all of them up to this point. Um, so I mean, there's a variety of mechanisms: one to force you to buy more Bitcoin, uh, but then two to express yourself. Right. So there was a lot of people early on in, into the music piece, and that flowed really quickly uh, and then it kind of ebbed and flowed as other side chains kind of came online so it, there's there's a side chain for everyone out there i want to get on this music chain how do i get on it i think it's hashtag music Just, chain right yeah hashtag music chain five i think at this point look out here come the crumb here comes the crumb I feel like I feel like I met Crumb in another life. Perhaps. Perhaps. <laughs> um, one of the other subjects I was thinking about in last Sunday's spaces, we were talking about uh, who we are, like as Bitcoiners and how, you know, what makes us different that we're like the 1% that stick out the bear market that we stack our asses off. We're doing stack chain, all this stuff. Right. And one of the, one of the things that led me to think of is we're, you know, obviously we're all super convicted. Right. So what about like hopium versus reality? Like, how do you know, that you're as a Bitcoiner, that you're not just functioning off of confirmation bias and ignoring reality. 
or is Bitcoin reality? And you draw hope from that. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does to me. I, I think it's reality. I mean, it's 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 black and white. It's it's real. I mean, we've yet to find a negative, you know, aspect of it. In as far as I've seen. Just from my perspective, I resisted Bitcoin as long as I could. You know, I I delved really deep into it before I allocated anything to it. I tried to poke holes in it. I went down all of the rabbit holes of, you know, the government's going to stop this. Or, you know, basically all the things that made it too good to be true. I went down all of those potential questions that I had. And like Dr. Detroit said, I, I just came up empty. I couldn't find anything that made me think this isn't going to succeed. This isn't like that the government could stop it. And um, yeah, I'll, I'll just stop there. Okay, that's cool. Because that was not my experience. Like I heard about Bitcoin. I bought a little bit. I didn't understand it. And then I understood a little bit, not nearly what I understand now. And I just went like balls deep, (laughs) you know, like I I went into panic mode. Like I was like, I do not have enough of this. Holy shit. I'm late. Everybody's been stacking sats for like a decade and I'm just getting started. I'm fucked. (laughs) Like I've missed the train, but I'm going to, you know, sell my chairs and shit and buy some Bitcoin. And then it wasn't, it wasn't after I was balls deep that I started learning enough about it to like have the conviction because at the same time I was doing that, I was like, Oh, well maybe shit coins have a chance, you know, maybe, maybe there is some, maybe it's uh maybe there's a use for blockchain, you know, like I was a fucking dumbass, like every new Bitcoiner. Right. And uh, I know that my, my conviction came into place, you know, when I sold all of my shit coins and was, you know, 100% into Bitcoin. That's what, you know, that's the event in my life that I can say, okay, right here is when I really had like that convicted view of Bitcoin that you get from a Bitcoin maximalist where people understand it and people, People understand because the only reason you have shit coins is if you're stupid, if you're gambling, or if you think Bitcoin's not going to make it. So you're hedging, you're hedging the thesis of Bitcoin, and you're you're just like, well, I think Bitcoin's kind of cool. It sounds good. It makes sense, but what if it doesn't work? Then it could end up being, you know, hex or some fucking retarded shit. And so you're like, you know, let me just have some of that too, just in case I'm wrong. And, uh, you know, that's a, it's a mark of conviction when you're just like, no, I'm not wrong. It's, it's Bitcoin for sure. I see what's going on here. The reality speaks to it, you know, just like we we're talking about the way that it launched without a pre-mine and, and all the things that we always discuss. And you just get to that point where it's like, 
you know, holding shit coins is super, super pointless. And Bitcoin is the thing. So I'm going to dump my shit coins and just go 100% into Bitcoin. What's that be? I, I think it's, it's also the line lines of like human beings want to be hopeful. They want to find a, a better way just naturally, right? You want to pres- self-preservation and all those types of things. And um, I think ultimately when you look at Bitcoin, you're like, you want it to be, you're projecting on it the things you desire of a better society, of a, a better money, of a, uh, it, it simplifies in many ways uh, the things that are currently in place. So, so take tax law, for example, right? I believe you could get away with a two-page tax law. Um, and in, in those cases, you would have the same people that uh, maybe pay a shit ton of money to lawyers and everything else to sort out what works for them and what doesn't. Uh, you would you would get away from the inefficiencies in uh, people applying themselves to be lawyers, at least tax lawyers, and those people would go and be better for humanity. They would figure out more productive means of, of living their life. Um, and that's just one sn- small snippet, right? You simplify things. And I, I think Bitcoin does that for a lot of things uh, in society. Uh, so we always, the, the moniker Bitcoin fixes this. It, it's true, but you just have to know enough about a particular aspect to see how Bitcoin would fix that over the fiat of whatever society you're in. Uh, and for me, that that's kind of what pulled me in. Again, done all the variety of things in, in fiat investment land, right? Building a portfolio, trying to save for the future, because uh, ultimately I don't want to work for the rest of my life. Um, and then once I, uh, almost out of necessity, right? March of 2020 was a shit show, just like the 2008 financial crisis. Um, it makes you step back and say, okay, what the fuck am I looking at? And I happened to be around about 12 to, to 15 other smart individuals that were kind of in the same position as me. Uh, and a few had uh, invested in Bitcoin in 2017, 2016. Some had shit coins, like the variety of things. And they just kind of spoke to it and said, hey, do your research, da, 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 whatever. And we all collectively kind of dove pretty deep into this thing. Uh, and we're educating each other. Um, again, I think every maxi goes through the, hey, I can I can do uh, penny stock guesses with shit coins uh, because that's what you know, right? You know, hey, if I if I dabble in day trading, I can day trade on Bitcoin or whatever other uh, platform. I think ultimately you apply the things you know to this new money, uh, and then you you come out and you say, no, that all the other stuff was dumb. Uh, and you land on on Bitcoin, and you, you it's almost like a self evaluation. You you sharpen yourself as a human being by going down the rabbit hole that is Bitcoin. Okay, so you said something interesting at the beginning of well, everything you said was interesting, but right at the beginning you touched. You ain't got to blow up my head. No, right at the beginning you touched on my question, where you were just like, um, you know, human beings, we're always looking for a better way. And, you know, so you, I, I wish I could word it the way that you, that you worded it. You were saying, you said like, uh, you know, like having hope, you know, you, you, human beings are always looking for a better way. Then you learn about Bitcoin and, 
it paints a picture of what a more hopeful world can be like that's very attractive. So how do we know that we are not attached to the hope more than we are attached to the reality? From my experience, it's through the research. And and to be honest, like I've, I've had this conversation with my wife. I've, I've even told my kids, I was like, hey, if this Bitcoin thing doesn't work out, like we're all going to get jobs. Uh, and we're just going to have to deal with the repercussions of that. So, so what if the research is guided by a confirmation bias of hope and you only, you know, you only pursue information that confirms your hopeful confirmation bias? Well, I'd say just like Salacious did, like I tried to poke holes, even whenever I was investing in Fiatlandia, right? I was trying to poke holes in the very things that I was investing in and I was digging into a variety of different aspects. Um, one blogger that kind of uh, stuck out to me and, and kind of taught me uh, to be better about the things I, I consume and, and spend my money and time on uh, was Mr. Money Mustache. And he's all about like, we shouldn't be living comfortable lives, right? We should be testing ourselves in the variety of ways we can. And by doing so, we would reduce expenses, right? So you don't need to bring in as much money if you're reducing the expenses that you have. So instead of having a car, you you move yourself into a location that's close enough to your work, that's close enough to buying things, and you ride a bike or you walk, right? So that a huge expense that's off your plate. So that that was his premise and what I had already been kind of traveling down the rabbit hole of, uh, ultimately, uh, I think it was figuring out and, and I go back to like putting myself through the heat of the research for what Bitcoin maybe could not solve. And I haven't found anything yet. Um, and that, yeah, like until somebody can show me a hole, like I'm, I'm willing and acceptable of, Hey, this is where you're wrong. Okay, great. Where's the research on it? Let me, let me look for that information myself. Let me see whoever the author is, right? Teaching my kids critical thinking. Who's the resource that you're reading of? Why is that person writing that particular article? What biases does that individual have? Like digging into the first principles, I think is why I got to Bitcoin or nothing. Like die on the hill kind of kind of stance on it. And which is why I, I continue to move all of our traditional finance things uh, into Unchained Capital, Swan Bitcoin, uh, Strike, like the platforms that are the best for you right now. Like those are the platforms I'm using to continue to go all in. Nice, nice. Um, have you tried to build your own multi-sig? Just curious, because you're talking about Unchained Capital. Yeah, I haven't. Uh, and to be honest, like, I know it's simple enough. And I mean, I've got a, a embassy node in the house. I got a buddy of mine who's who's in the cyber realm. And he's always like, man, come on. We're going to go sit down. We're going to talk for an hour or two. We're going to set things up. And I'm like, yes, let's do it. Um, but yeah, the, the, I, I think there's a simple leap from Unchained. Because again, they just hold one of the keys. But there's a simple leap from having a third party hold your key versus you having all three yourself. Uh, and I just haven't dug into it right now. Again, time, space available uh, to, to do that. And then 
also like you have to be very comfortable in trusting yourself uh, with potentially those types of amounts of, of Bitcoin. So I just recently set up my own multi-sig and I pretty much didn't do it for all the reasons that you just said. And after I did it myself, I'm just like, why the hell did I take so long? It's so, so much easier than using a third party. Like I, I used, uh, I used Casa, right. And then Casa started going a little bit sideways. I mean, this, this is before they started, um, you know, servicing products for ETH, you know, before they even started working with ETH, the company was going a little, a little sideways in ways I wasn't uncomfortable with. So I canceled the CASA membership. I pulled all my Bitcoin out, put it onto my, you know, single SIG cold storage. And then for the longest time, just felt super, super uncomfortable that all that Bitcoin was sitting on a single seed and like, you know, if somebody broke into my house and stole my seed, I'm, I'm fucked. Right. So I just, I, uh, made myself set up a multi-sig, play with it with like, you know, 25,000 sats. Um, I destroyed it. I rebuilt it. I destroyed keys. Like I tried to, I tried to fuck it up. You know what I mean? I tried to like figure out like what can I do to screw myself out of my Bitcoin, and uh, I I couldn't do it. Like uh, so, I used a Sparrow wallet, and then uh, I used a combination of uh, of hardware wallets, and I did the whole thing. Like I built it, I put it in there, I deleted Sparrow wallet and you know rebuilt everything and it was so first of all it's so much easier than dealing with like casa i I don't know if unchained is the same experience but when you send from your casa wallet you have to go to the casa app you have to do a transaction like you would do like with blue wallet or whatever but because it's multi-sig they send you an email and then you have to take that email and you have to like click on it and it's it's their it's their software that's managing the multi sig so then you've signed from your casa wallet they send you an email you have to receive the email and then you kind of like have to like open up your your hardware device and then like attach it to the email application it's fucking weird and i didn't realize it was weird until i set up my own multi sig to where now I, I realize like, Oh, that's, that's weird that they do it that way. I understand why they do it is because the multi-sig they're managing the multi-sig. So like when you do your own multi-sig, you just open up your Sparrow wallet and you do it. But because you're using theirs, there has to be a way for them to transmit the partially signed Bitcoin transaction to you in the application that they're using. So there's this whole weird, that's, that's just the part that made me uncomfortable. It's just like, I'm using their app and that's one key. And then the second key is an email, uh, like an email interface, which is also from them. So it's like, like two, like in order to sign my multi-sig, 
I need to number one, use their app. And then I need to number two, use their, their email process. So it's kind of like they control two of my keys, which made me like uncomfortable. What's up, B? Yeah. So I'm assuming it's similar to Unchained in that, like at least for Unchained and Strike and others, right? They use Prime Trust. So you get this email from Prime Trust and all of a sudden now you got to confirm the transaction that you're trying to do from whatever platform. Uh, and I think Swan's the same way, right? So when you would do a withdrawal from Swan, you get this email, you got to click confirm and you go to their website and you click confirm on there. Again, I think it's it's like a, a two-factor authentication of sorts, but it's also them just making sure that you actually submitted for the withdrawal. Does that make sense? So it's like on their side, it's a security so, layer. Yeah. It's, so that was not exactly the same. I don't know. I don't think Casa uses Prime Trust because I'm actually, because when you, when you set up the multi-sig with Casa, the Bitcoin is in the multi-sig. So all they control is the one key. And then gotcha. The- yeah. So that's the same thing for for Unchained. I was just thinking about Swan getting the email. Yeah. I don't. I don't get any emails from from Unchained. Have you Have you done a withdrawal from Unchained? Yeah. So what's the process for the multi sig when you withdraw from Unchained? Same thing. Uh, I submit my two key signatures, and it broadcasts directly from Unchained's website. And the keys are what, like your one wallet and the Unchained. Yeah. No, 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 no. I have two code cards set up as part oh, okay. of the two of three. It is different. Yeah. So with un- like literally the only time, again, it's, it goes back to, I know my wife, I know my kids, inheritance planning. Like if, if they had to figure out like on their own, at least right now, they would not be able to do that. Um, and Unchained being there as having one of the keys. And as long as they know how to get one of the other keys, They'll be able to bring those two keys together. It may cost 20 bucks for Unchained to use their key to move it. But that company at least will be able to walk my wife or kids through the process of here's how you set up a wallet. Here's how you set up another multi-sig. Here's how you get another key uh, to use with the one that you already have. Uh, And here's how you establish that. And um, I think just like traditional finance stuff, I think that ability is worth being involved with a third party for that piece. Because um, I, I am fully comfortable of doing it on my own. Uh, but should I go out and get a correct tomorrow? Like, then what? I think that's fair. I think it's fair. I think you should build it anyways. So I can tell you an interesting story. So as I'm putting all... because. What happened is all my Bitcoin is on one seed. So I just stopped trusting Casa and I didn't like how they were involved in my Bitcoin for a transaction. I didn't like the whole email process. And I'm just like, well, you know, what if they disappear? And apparently they, you know, they give you a way to rebuild your multi-sig, but I didn't know how to do that. So I was just in this position where I was really like, if I want my Bitcoin, I was really reliant on that email from Casa. And then I was also reliant on their app. So if 
if Casa and the app went away and I didn't know how to rebuild a multi-sig, my Bitcoin is fucking gone. All I had was my one hardware device, which is only one signature. What's up, B? Yeah, so that's, I guess, different from Unchained because Unchained, uh, you can download all the necessary files and they even have what what they call a caravan platform that is separate and distinct from them. Uh, that you can rebuild your wallet even if Unchained goes away. Um, like their one key is no longer needed. You can still use your two keys and you have the wallet backup information to be able to repopulate it, if that makes sense, along with your seed phrase and everything else um, that you're keeping separate uh, for the, the devices themselves. Um, and it, it's almost like a, a self-help tool that is separate from Unchained. Um which I, I find is is comforting. Uh, again, don't trust verify. Um, to this point, I haven't uh, dug into the caravan piece of it, but something I, uh, I'll do shortly. Is it is it an output descriptor? Does that sound familiar? That uh, it doesn't sound familiar. No, I mean, yeah. Okay, no, that's cool. That's cool. Um, give give it a try because so the output descriptor is a it's like a it's a string of characters or a QR code that can be read by Bitcoin Core, and as long as you have a wallet that interacts on that level, something like Sparrow Wallet or Electrum or whatever, you can scan the output descriptor and rebuild every part of your multisig except for the private keys. It's very fucking cool. So, so like after I built the multi-sig, I just printed up a couple copies of that. Because if you have the output descriptor, you can rebuild the multi-sig, but you can't sign. So you can hand that out to anybody you want. You know, it's, it's kind of cool. And then you just, you know, you tell people who you trust where the, where the seeds are. So... It's pretty cool. And then the, the interesting thing is as I was setting up this multi-sig, I'm at my girlfriend's house on my laptop doing it. And um, she's like just in the background, just watching me like do everything. And then she starts asking questions. And by the end of the day, she learned how to rebuild a multi-sig. So first, it start, first she uh, rebuilt a destroyed seed in a cold card. And then after she did that, she went through the process of rebuilding a multi-sig from like the wallet being completely deleted. And she had never done anything like that before in her life. So when I say this is not complicated, it's not complicated. <laughs> like Sparrow Wallet like, makes it really, really, really easy. But guys, uh, we've been in here for about an hour and a half, so it's time to do last word. We'll start with Doctor, because I don't know if Salacious has done last word before. Doctor, do you got any last words on Stack Chain? Let's fucking go. I am going to get on it as soon as possible here, or jump into it, and again, cherish value sats more than dollars. 100%. If you look up the hashtag stack chain tip, stack chain tip, that will direct you towards stack chain. 
and then you'll actually see what the hell is going on and, and be able to, you don't even have to stack, you know, you can just kind of jump in and be a reply guy for a while until you figure it out. It's, um, uh, it's ridiculous and fun. So you can start with that. B any last words on stack chain B man, I came in here to talk about all this mad stacking. No, it's good. Um, I mean, it's been fun the last shit, I don't know, three months or so uh, that I've been involved with it. Um, last words is, I mean, have fun stacking sats, man. It, it's been a blast. Find a side chain, jump in on the fun, uh, blow up your notifications. That's all I got. Awesome. Wise last words. Salacious, do you have any last words on stack chain? To Dr. Detroit's point, um, yeah, man, just get in. It's a lot of fun. I've only been here for a couple of days myself, but it's been crazy. I like it. It's just all about fun and memes and getting a bunch of likes on all your stupid comments. What can, what can you hate about it? And then to B's point uh, about, you know, that kind of resonated with me when you said, you know, I'm all in. Like, my family, I told them that this Bitcoin thing doesn't work out. You're all going to have to get jobs. Uh, I'm in that same boat, man. And um, it's because it's Bitcoin or slavery. If Bitcoin fails, we're all fucked anyway. So we might as well be all in. So every dollar that I get, I put straight into the best money that humanity's ever discovered. Lovely, Salacious. And you have been stacking like a madman. So a whole fucking coin. What do you mean stacking? <laughs> he just came in hard. Some people, that's just, some people just come to stack chain like that, man. So you love to see it. So welcome to stack chain salacious. And with that guys, I'm going to leave you with a stack chain or blessing. May you have more Bitcoin tomorrow than you have today. Stack chainers. I love you guys. Have fun. Stacking sets. Stacks, stacks. Feeling proud, I got no cash. Can't afford the tip, got me feeling kinda sad, but I'm glad. Let's keep up your whole bag. Sell in my chair just to get a couple sass. I'ma suck it next week, cause I hit my limit. Made my way to swan just to get some digits. Good for you, say it back, I ain't talking feelings. Yes, I make memes and bad decisions. Yo, Q. I like what you're doing. There's a fork up on the tip, and it's leaving me clueless. Stacking sets up on the chain, taking up my whole day. Hella blocks up in the notice that we had to validate. So stack a block, join a block of shit post. Now can't afford a block, join a block. Reloading my account, yeah, I'm broke. It's a sad thing, but a stack on the stack chain. GFYs and all the memes. Love vibes and all the pains. Stack, stacks. Feeling proud, I got no cash. Can't afford the tip, got me feeling kinda sad, but I'm glad. Yo, low. That shit was lit. It got me fired up trying to stack the tip. Cosmic, stack chain energy. Stack hard 21 by infinity. Stack chain, I can't get enough. Every single day is number go up. Stack joins, invading your thread. Stacking so hard that it hurts the fed. And I'ma keep on stacking cause what Anthony said. And pass it back to Q and let the signal spread. Feeling proud, I got no cash. Can't afford the tip, got me feeling kinda sad, but I'm glad.